The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We all have those thoughts that will not die. Along with many other thought distractions, these can keep us from thinking clearly and focusing on what we desire and who we can be. This is Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with Dr. Jeffrey Fannin. What if you could learn to command the power of thought and make the laws of the universe work in your favor? It can be done, and it just takes some adjustments to become a thought genius. Now, here is your host, Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Fannin, and this is Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Today, my guest is a good friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Many of you can uh, uh, be aware of his uh, movie career. He's been in a number of them, starting with uh, What the Bleep Do We Know? and uh, a number of other uh, motion pictures and uh, uh, also his uh, transformational workshops. And uh, many, many people know those are growing bigger every year. Um, Dr. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for being on with me today. It's always an honor to spend time with you, Jeff. Yeah. So uh, maybe give us a little uh, idea of what's transpired in your life since What the Bleep. Well, I think um, there were two fundamental questions people asked uh, after the movie. Uh, we, we did that movie because we wanted to inspire people to question the nature of reality and also to give them uh, an open process of them really beginning to see if they could apply it to their own personal lives to see if they can begin to make some changes in their lives, that their thoughts create uh, their life or at least have some impact on their lives. So um, I paid attention to the questions that were asked after the movie, and one of the questions that people asked over and over again in the conferences that we did with all the researchers and scientists is, number one, how do you do it? How do you create the life you want? And the uh, second question is, if your personality creates your personal reality, and if I have to change my personality to, cre- uh, to create a new personal reality, why is it so hard to change? And I thought they were two really good questions because people were no longer just getting caught up in the philosophical theories. They were actually looking to see how they could apply it to their lives, how to personalize it. Um, so we just started teaching workshops and conferences uh, and the how-to. And... Um, in the last uh, several years, we have seen so many amazing things happen. And, and the beauty behind it all, Jeff, is that it's, it's uh, common people that are doing the uncommon. You know, you're not, we're not looking at Buddhist monks with 40 years of uh, practice and meditation or nuns with uh, 50 years of devotion or Kabbalistic rabbis or scholars or academics. These are just simple people that really, um, really want to understand um, the science of possibility. And I think when you combine quantum physics with a little neuroscience and a little neuroendocrinology, a little psychoneuroimmunology and a little epigenetics, all of those sciences point the finger at possibility. And so once you begin to combine them together and create a model, once you understand the what and the why, the how becomes easier. And so we've just been doing quite a bit of workshops and uh, uh, in the last four years or so, we started to see some very, very significant changes in people's health and their lives. And so that's when we started doing our measurements, and we brought in a team of scientists and technicians and researchers to measure our our participants and to see if uh, it wasn't just in their mind, that it was actually in their brain, and uh, to partner with HeartMath Institute and, uh, and a couple other researchers. We measure the energy of the room. We measure the energy around people's bodies. We measure the energy centers of their bodies. We measure, we map their brain of course you're the you're our, our head uh, neuroscientist that does that uh, we measure their heart and to make sure that they can sustain uh, elevated emotions like gratitude and joy that's the creative process uh, and we measure uh, genetic changes epigenetic changes in the blood um, the saliva and in the urine and um, I can tell you you're part of this that we've made scientific history uh, yeah. in the last uh, 
couple of years, and it's a very exciting time because um, this is no longer philosophy. This is actually a, a practical approach for people to really begin to make changes. Yeah, well, we see that uh, bridge between science and spirituality coming together. <clears throat> Do you think there's uh, one or possibly more than one key factor that moves people towards this transformation? Well, yeah, unfortunately, um, it's usually crisis or trauma or disease or diagnosis or loss. You know, I think I, it's a kind of an interesting conversation because human nature is you, things have to get so uncomfortable and get so bad that you start asking some really profound questions like, what am I doing? Who am I? Uh, what, is, what is my life about? And, and I think when we're brought to a lower denominator and we don't uh, no longer feel like ourselves, I think it's for the first time we can see ourselves through the eyes of someone else because we're altered. And because we're altered emotionally, we can really view who we've been. And we, I call that the old self. So uh, most people learn and change in a state of pain and suffering. And um, my message is why wait? And you can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering. And you can learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration. So if you can get people involved in knowledge and information. And information is just so readily available right now that people are informed. And then you can show them how to be defined by a vision of the future instead of the memories of the past. And they move into an elevated state. It's just as, it just it works the same exact way, except you're not, li- you're not viewing yourself from a lower level. You're viewing yourself from an elevated level. And you're no longer the old self. And if you're able to sustain that, we should see neurological, biological, chemical, genetic uh, energetic changes uh, in on all those levels, and and that's what we're seeing. You know, uh, when we when we do some of that work and we see people uh, struggling, and I have the good fortune to talk to a lot of these people after they've had their brain mapped and and uh, going through that process. And the one question that they always ask me: What can I do better? Mm-hmm. How can I do this better? And all of them seem to have um, different types of stumbling blocks, if we could call it that. Uh, and how can somebody kind of identify what their stumbling blocks are? Because some of them don't even know mm-hmm. that they have stumbling blocks. And how can they get over those? Sure. Well, this is, uh, this is the fundamental question because you know as well as I know and all the brain mapping we've done and we've looked at thousands of brains that you and I are at our absolute best when we get beyond ourselves. <laughs> and uh, getting beyond the self uh, is quite a, quite a challenge because so much of our identity is connected to our body. So much of our identity is connected to people and things and places and time. And uh, we're, we're pretty much uh, enmeshed in this world. And uh, you throw in some hormones of stress, you throw in some past trauma, and, um, you know, the brain and body is out of balance. So I think one of the fundamental keys uh, is really about uh, creating small little retreats where people can actually retreat from their lives for a period of time and remove the constant stimulation in their external environment that reminds them of who they think they are as a personality to separate themselves from the people they know and the places they go and the things that they do at the exact same time in order for uh, them to be reminded about what they really innately already know and then give them the opportunity to go into the experience and to create a level of awareness to know when you're there and when you're not. And, and I think that that just takes that practice, practice, practice element because the moment you start wondering if you're there, you're back to the analytical mind. And the whole purpose of meditation is to get beyond the analytical mind. But uh, you can only talk around this concept. You actually have to practice it enough times, just like you can talk around skiing. You know, it's a, you, could, you could study all the books on skiing, but when you finally get on the skis, it's a different game. So uh, we understand one of the reasons why we're doing so much research, and I know you'll agree with me, is because uh, it's so important for people to get feedback to let them know that what they're doing inside of them is actually correct. So to me, it's almost like a peeling away process. Uh, when you do a meditation enough or you are creating and you're conscious of your unconscious thoughts, you're aware of your automatic behaviors, you, you become familiar with your, your emotional states, and you've been down that road enough times, sooner or later you'll say, no, I'm not going to go there, there today. And it's that exact process then that begins to separate yourself from the program. And so... Um, I think that's one element. I also think, you know, if you get a community of 500 people and they're all sharing the same energy and they're all inspired about doing the same thing and you get people on the stage who talk about their own own transformation and, and healing, uh, I just think that 
when you see someone do something great, you're more prone to do it as well. So uh, you, you know just from what we've done in the last three years that we've moved the needle quite a bit. I mean, what we're doing now and in the, in the, in the measurements we're getting now, number one, you'll never see in, in neuroscience, no. clinical neuroscience. And uh, number two, it, these, are, these are just people that have been trained for a, a bit of time. So we know we're gaining on it. I think it's like the four-minute mile. I think if you get enough people doing it and people start breaking through in consciousness, uh, it just becomes the, the, the common denominator. And we're seeing that now with the trends and the patterns that we're, we're, yeah. we're measuring. It seems like with, <clears throat> with each of the uh, events that more and more of those people are having breakthroughs. You know, I go back to um, uh, the things that you wrote in your second book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, that um, many people are stuck in those habits. And that's one of the, the thresholds that they have to get across first mm-hmm. to recognize that that's the case. Uh, w- would you agree that that's uh, well, I mean, I'm a work in progress. I mean, I work on this every single day of my life. But, I mean, we have a huge forebrain. I mean, it's 40% of our, of our brain, and that's, this, that's the place of uh, – that's our conscience. That's our level of awareness. And, and so that's the newest and most evolved piece of neurological hardware. It's the crowning achievement of the human being. And because it's the seat of our awareness, and consciousness is awareness, and awareness is paying attention, and paying attention is noticing – then the more you become conscious of your unconscious states of mind and body, the more you'll be able to change them. So this is about lighting a match in a dark place, and some people don't like to do that because they would just rather think positively. The problem is that's only 5% of their conscious mind. The other 95% has become a subconscious habit, a program, an automatic reaction, an attitude, a belief, or perception that has nothing to do with their conscious mind. So... This is important for, uh, uh, to address because a habit is a redundant, automatic, unconscious set of thoughts, behaviors, and emotions that's acquired through frequent repetition. If you keep doing something over and over again, your body will know how to do it as well as your mind. In fact, your body becomes the mind. So once the body becomes the mind, now you're in an automatic program. So I assert that when most people are not in the present moment, they're running a program. So then the process of change is unlearning and relearning. It's breaking the habit of the old self and reinventing a new self. We say in neuroscience, pruning synaptic connections and flourishing or sprouting new connections, unmemorizing emotions that are stored in the body and then reconditioning the body to a new mind and to a new emotion, unfiring and unwiring, refiring and rewiring, no longer signaling the same genes in the same way and re-signaling new genes in new ways, losing your mind, creating a new one, pulling your energy out of the past and investing your energy into the future. So then it really requires then changing some aspect of the self. So if we agree then that your personality creates your personal reality and your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel, then the present personality who's listening to this show has created their present personal reality called their life, which means if you want to create a new personal reality, you got to start thinking about what you've been thinking about and change it. You've got to become aware of your automatic habits and behaviors and modify them. And then look at the emotions that you've memorized that keep you anchored to the past and decide if those emotions belong in your future. You see, guys, I think most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality, and it doesn't work. We literally have to become someone else. So then instead of waiting for crisis or trauma where you're, where you're feeling so bad that you have no other choice but to change – Let's do it in a state of inspiration and joy and give people the inv- information, give them the instruction, and set up the environment where they feel safe enough with a community of people that are all interested in the same thing and see if we can, we can transform people enough that it becomes infectious and it becomes a new consciousness. It becomes a new community. And I think uh, we're seeing that. I honestly do. Yeah, we are. We're seeing a lot of people move in that direction. The uh, the one thing that I, I think is is kind of interesting when I talk to people is how many of them don't believe that they have the ability to transform, that they're stuck in this revolving door going round and round and round, doing the same things they do every day, all day, every week in, week out, year in, year out. And they think that kind of thing happens to other people, that they don't have the ability. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, again uh – If you wake up in the morning and you get out of bed and check your cell phone, 
Then you check your Facebook. Then you check your WhatsApp. Then you check your text. Then you check your emails. Then you get up, put your slippers on, and you go to the bathroom. You use the toilet. Then you get in the shower. You wash yourself like you always do. You have a cup of coffee. You have the same mug. You know, you run through the same ritual. You know, you get dressed and you drive to work the same way. You do the same things over and over again. And let's just say you've done that for 20 or 30 years. Well, here's the problem. The problem is, is that the body's already in a predictable future. The body's already programmed into a very specific line of time, neurologically, genetically, biologically. But that's all based on the experience of the past. As a matter of fact, we can take the person's past and set, uh, that day and set it on their future. And that's karma. That's it. There's nothing mystical about that. So then, even if the unknown or a mir- miracle would happen in a person's life who has such uh, a, a routine, it would be very, very inconvenient for something to occur because it would break up their routine. So teaching people how to find the sweet spot of the generous present moment requires that same level of awareness. It requires consciousness. It requires then going against that particular uh, program. So we love to do this because we love to see people have that type of transformation. And when they have that type of transformation, um, they get to experience their own personal empowerment. And that's what it's about. It's about being empowered by, uh, by it. So, uh, so people feel like you know, they're in Groundhog Day and they think that there's some unseen hand doing it to them. But really, they're just programmed because if you think that your thoughts create your reality or your thoughts create your life, and you know that we think sixty to 70,000 thoughts in one day and 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts as the day before, the same thoughts are going to lead to the same choices. The same choices are going to lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors are going to create the same experiences. The same experiences are going to produce the same emotions, and those same emotions are going to drive your very same thoughts. And your biology tends to get caught in that very fixed pattern. So I think there's a shift in consciousness going on in the world because of information. And I think that people now are becoming more conscious that they, are, they can really take their power back from the doctor, yeah. from the priest, from the rabbi, uh, uh, from the government, from the governor, from the president, you know, uh, uh, from all of those figureheads that were the, you know, atar- authoritarian figure that everybody gave their power away to. Because information is so available, people are now starting to, to uh, transform themselves in a very unique way. And I think it's great. I think it's really great. Yeah, I think uh, when people start uh, creating that set point, uh, the thoughts that they have over and over again, and in some of the research and work that I've done and been able to look at, you know, the lower, denser frequencies of thought and emotion where you get down in that uh, depression, despair, anger, frustration, as opposed to creating that set point at a higher level, uh, love, joy, contentment, that um, what we tend to think about keeps us in that set point and that law of attraction. We just keep attracting thoughts that are like whatever it is that we're dealing with and uh, just day in, day out. So. Well, it's tedious in the beginning because, uh, you know, if you, break, if you break a habit or you break an addiction, it's something separate from you. All we are, I'm going to stop drinking coffee. Hey, I'm not going to eat sugar. That's something that's external to you. But when you're, when you're monitoring your very thought processes, right. the question is, who's doing the monitoring? That's who we really are. We're not that program. We're the consciousness now observing the program. And then pulling consciousness out of the program requires a tremendous amount of awareness and effort. And because consciousness has energy, it requires a certain amount of energy. So now, pulling, the, pulling your awareness out of the bio, biological program then means then you may have to disconnect from people and things in your external environment. It would mean you have to sit your body down and not let it get up and do the routine behavior and you have to get beyond time and so when you demystify that process you'll see people in their 80s and 70s you'll see uh, young people you'll see everybody going for it in in the very same way because i'm i know that they can relate to that process and if they hit the sweet spot of the present moment and they become nobody no one no thing nowhere in no time that's the moment they become pure consciousness. And that's the moment now that consciousness is the epiphenomenon of matter. And we start seeing huge changes neurologically. <laughs> we see very, very high amplitudes that you will never see in a clinical setting. And we know, that's, that we know the nervous system is processing a new stream of consciousness that's carrying a greater frequency and a greater energy. And that person can't make their brain do that. It's actually happening to them. And they're having a full-on sensory experience 
without their senses. In other words, what's going on between their ears is more real than any past experience. And that's the moment their biology changes. So it could happen instantaneously. We've seen it enough times. And because it can happen instantaneously, and we're seeing it more and more, wow, I mean, what a great time to be alive, and what a great time to really look closely and look on the inner world of uh, what we're doing, and it's amazing. It it is. And uh, you're listening to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage uh, with Dr. Jeffrey Fan and my guest here, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and uh, we'll be right back after this uh, important message. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radioshow at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with my guest, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And uh, uh, Dr. Joe, uh, many times we see people in various states of meditation. We've mapped those people. We we can see how deep they're going. And in the last segment, we talked about, you know, the high amplitudes, the uh, extension of consciousness that people are experiencing. What is it that constitutes a good meditation for people? Well, <clears throat> I think that we could just start off by saying that 70% of the time or more, most people are living by the hormones of stress. And stress is when your body and brain are knocked out of balance. The stress response is what your body innately does to return itself back to order. So we have different types of stress. We have physical stress like trauma, accidents, injuries. We have chemical stress like flus and bacteria and viruses and blood sugar levels and hangovers. And emotional stress is traffic jams and internet connections and second mortgages and single parenting. And all of those things knock the brain and body out of balance. And all organisms in nature can tolerate the effects of of short-term stress. The problem is human beings, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We start worrying about our problems. We start thinking about the past. We start anticipating the future. And then we start to prepare the body to be in that future event or living in the past chemically. And so uh, the majority of the energy that we have available for health, regeneration, repair, long-term building projects uh, it begins to become diminished because all the energy is being mobilized for some emergency. So I think that when a person really connects uh, to the quantum field that really begins to, their consciousness begins to merge with a greater consciousness, one of the side effects that we've measured is that kind of whole brain state. We start to see the brain start to synchronize because if every single thing or person or place or object or experience in your life has a neurological network assigned to it, then the more you're living by the hormones of stress, the more you're kind of controlling or trying to control every person and everything. You're trying to predict. You're trying to force the outcomes and trying to manage your life, and your attention is shifting from one thing to the next. 
We know that if we measure those brainwave patterns, the brain is very incoherent. And when the brain is incoherent, we're incoherent. So then when the person stops thinking about their body, they stop forgetting, they forget their own identity, they, forget, they take their attention off of things and objects and places and time. That's the moment they're thought alone. <laughs> and the operator now, the tormentor is gone. So now all of a sudden when the, when, that, when the neocortex settles down, it's the moment that different compartments of the brain can begin to synchronize. They can begin to organize. And what syncs together in the brain links together. So we've seen this so many times. We right. see this kind of this whole brain state. The left side of the brain is talking to the right side of the brain. The front's talking to the back. And the union of polarity, the union of that duality is what I call love. If a person's wearing a heart rate monitor, which we've seen also, they, we know that when a person's frustrated or impatient, their heart beats differently when they're in gratitude and joy or in love or kindness. And that center in the heart is the creative center. That's where we create from. The centers below that, the hormonal centers below that really are all about survival, right? Sexuality is nature created so it's pleasurable, so we keep propagating the species. The center of digestion, consumption, food is tasty. And, of course, the adrenal glands that have to do with the fight-or-flight mechanism allows us to survive in, in dangerous situations. But when the energy actually leaves those centers and it moves into the heart and the heart starts getting coherent, thoughts are the language of the brain, feelings are the language of the body. The moment those two systems synchronize together, the brain and the heart, we feel so whole and so complete in that moment that it's impossible to want. I mean fundamentally, how can we want if we're whole? And the moment that happens, and you can see, we've seen this, tears of joy running down the person's face. They are connected to something greater. And that intelligence that's giving us life, that's digesting our food and making you know trillions of cells every second, that, that self-organizing intelligence begins to leak out of us. It begins to consume us. And because it's highly coherent, and highly powerful and, and carries a greater frequency or a greater energy, you start to see the person feel so satisfied with themselves and so in love with life that I call that the natural state of being. And I say it's the most familiar, unfamiliar feeling that I've ever had. Now, we're seeing that over and over again in our workshops. We're, this is becoming a trend, and I think when you start measuring trends, you're a scientist, you know that once it's repeatable, we're talking about a law here. So inducing that state and getting that person to lay down the very thing they use their whole life to get what they want for something greater to happen to them is really where the, the rubber meets the road, and it takes a quite a bit of um, processing and quite a bit of trial and error, but when you connect it's always worth it. It's always worth the effort. We live in a marvelous age where we have the technology now that we could measure this. And you and I have seen this time and time and time again. And there is nothing more gratifying to watch somebody go through that process and then talk to them afterward. And they've had those tears streaming down their face. And, you know, it, it's not that they're fearful tears. They're, mm -hmm. they're in such a state of ecstasy that it is so wonderful. They just... They don't know how to put it into mm -hmm. words. And, and so the technology, the brain maps and stuff that we do, uh, we can see that. Now, many times I've heard you talk about supernormal and kind of like that's that's what we aspire to. What exactly is supernormal? <laughs> well, we're in the process of discovering that. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, when you and I met uh, four years ago and we sat together and, we, and I said, let's start measuring some of the effects we're seeing in our workshops. And the only reason that we started doing it is because we were witnessing people with MS getting out of the wheelchair and walking across the room. We were witnessing people with lupus and celiac disease. In one weekend, we knew that they were upregulating new genes and downregulating old genes and that they were changing their minds. So that's when we started to measure. But when we were talking about this, we would think, well, we may discover, you know, a little of this, a little of that. But man, we are seeing things that, I, I mean, I don't even know if if I could communicate what we're seeing, I mean, we're, it's so profoundly significant uh, that you and I, we looked at hundreds of brain maps yesterday in your office on the students, and well, I'm not interested in natural. I'm not interested in normal. I'm interested in supernatural because that's really who we really are. And so, by, but my definition of supernatural then begins to 
has to confront the model that in order for you to experience the supernatural, you have to first start doing what feels unnatural. That means you have to go against the program, and you're looking around to see if there's any evidence in your life that anybody else is doing it, and no one, everybody else is waiting to see if anybody else is doing it. And so, but when you see person, uh, uh, well, you know, when the when the brain fires certain neurological networks, uh, the, the range can be between 10 and 60 microvolts of energy squared. That's how action potentials fire in the brain. Uh, 10 to 60 is normal. We're measuring a million microvolts of energy, 2.5 million microvolts of energy, 698,000 microvolts of energy, 4 million microvolts right. of energy. Uh, when you see the brain scan of that, you know, you, you see a strip chart, you see a little, and you see the lines running, and you can see alpha, beta, theta. You know, you can see these different brain waves. But when, if you could picture grabbing a hand of Crayola crayons and just, scra- you know, just running the crayons up and down, it looks like a snowstorm. I mean, you know that that person right. is having a supernatural experience. Now, why is that significant? Because experience enriches the brain, and the end product of an experience is called an emotion. So if they're having an internal event that is more real than any external event in their life, they're literally reshaping and remolding their brain and literally signaling new genes in new ways. And in one twinkling of an eye, their past is washed away out of their body. Now, that the amplitude energetically isn't just happening in their brain. It's happening through their entire nervous system, which controls and coordinates all those systems. So now, that person, after that experience, can never go back to business as usual. They're never going to be the same person ever again. <laughs> Secondly, if, if all of our beliefs and perceptions are created from our past experiences, the spectrum of reality has now broadened because now they're going to see what has always existed, but their brain wasn't wired to see. Now, why is that significant? Because I think one of the biggest lies we've ever been told is that we're linear beings living a linear life. We're not. We're dimensional beings living a dimensional life. And when the doors of dimension actually open to a person and they start to see how transcendent reality really is, they're not going to be seduced by television commercials and seduced by bad news and seduced by corporations. and They're going to realize that all of that is an illusion. What's going to matter to them most is the management of their own energy, the management of their own attention, the management of their own emotions, the management of investing their, their, their energy into the future instead of keep revisiting the past. So supernatural to me then is when we start doing what we innately come pre-wired to do that fables and mystics and, and uh, you know, um, uh, tradition has talked about in folklore, but, but I think this is a time where it's not enough to know. This is a time to know how. And so when you start bridging that gap and people start stepping into the unknown and they start saying, okay, well, I understand the science behind this. I got it. I can talk about it. I can speak it. The model's in my mind. I understand the practice. Now what I have to do. And if you just keep setting up the conditions, we only need one person. And but we're way past one person, then it becomes two, then it becomes four, then it becomes six, and now we're creating a community of of supernatural people. Well, and when I talk to those people after they've had that kind of experience, in fact, I was talking to one uh, just the other day, and she said, you know, this is amazing to me because I'm able to recreate this, not every time, but most every time, Mm -hmm. she's able to go into these different uh, frequency ranges and look at a higher level of consciousness, which now has affected her out, uh, her, her, uh, the way she looks at life and the way that she approaches life. And I can't tell you how satisfying that is <laughs> to, to have a conversation like that with people and, and know that you were such an instrumental part in guiding them to understand that they have the ability to do that because so many people don't believe they have the ability. Oh, this is a very interesting thought because let's talk about belief for a second because everybody can say, oh, God lives within me or I'm supernatural or, yeah, I'm connected to the quantum field. And you sit them down for a 10-minute meditation and they're moving around and they, they, they may consciously think that that's true, but their belief has been programmed subconsciously. So I love when people come up against their limitations. I love when they come up against um, their emotional belief because that is the moment where they have to decide if there's something on the other side of it. 
So maybe you come up against it and you just see somebody else who just got on the stage and talked about their transformation. You, you now know that that person popped through. So you now won't stop there because right on the other side of that limited belief is an unlimited experience. And getting people to that point, pushing them into the unknown and no longer clinging to their guilt, clinging to their judgment, clinging to their past experiences, letting all that go for something greater. I think, I think that when you and I have witnessed transformation in so many different, we've done seven advanced workshops all over the world. And when you see transformation, I don't care if we're in Australia or Mexico, in the United States, I don't care if we're in Milan, it doesn't matter. Transformation looks exactly the same. It People does. are absolutely authentically celebrating themselves and celebrating life. And they've let go of so many things that keep them anchored to the past. And if you teach them how to invest in a future and they have that kind of experience, to me, I'm the happiest when I'm contributing and I'm the happiest when I'm learning. If I'm not doing either one of those things, I'm pretty bored with myself. Yeah. So I think it's a great time. I think it's a great time for what we're doing. I think we're, we're making history, and um, uh, it's exciting. I get out of bed every morning, and, uh, and I'm thinking about you know, what we're doing. And, and uh, I, there's nothing else. Uh, we talked about this at lunch yesterday. Uh, yeah, you miss flights. You lose luggage. You know, there's changes. But, God, one person stands up and heals themselves of cancer, polycystic fibrodysplasia, MS, and they tell their story. And you're moved to tears. There's no other. There's no other thing I'd rather be doing. Now, talking with uh, my guest, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Uh, this is help. My thoughts are holding me hostage on the uh, Empowerment Channel, Voice America. So uh, we'll be right back after an important message here, and uh, talk about uh, how miracles do happen. In mm-hmm. uh, as we discuss a little bit about uh, Dr. Joe and his uh, third book. Uh, You are the placebo making your mind matter. Uh, We'll be right back. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. Do you find that some of your hopes and dreams aren't happening the way you thought they would? Maybe your power of intention needs fine-tuning. The latest scientific research indicates that the problem is related to your subconscious belief patterns. They determine your behavior, as well as create the message that is being broadcast into the field. Only 5% of what we think about comes through the conscious thinking part of our brain, and the rest is processed through the subconscious part of our brain. You need the Thought Genius Kit. The Thought Genius Kit is an amazing combination of tools and technology that is not sold in stores anywhere. But you can get it from ThoughtGenius.com. If you want to know what your subconscious thinks and feels about something, all you have to do is think about it and watch the indicators on the screen. The Thought Genius Kit also comes with a lifetime subscription for creating your own mind movies. Get more information and read scientific research before you order the Thought Genius Kit at ThoughtGenius.com. That's ThoughtGenius.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. To reach Dr. Jeffrey L. Fannin or his guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. 346-9141. You may also send an email to radio show at thoughtgenius.com. Now, back to this week's program. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Fannin, and this is Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with my uh, very special guest, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And uh, uh, Joe, I was really intrigued when you came out with your book, and uh, we had an opportunity to put some brain maps and some of the, the things in there, but... Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about how uh, you are the placebo making your mind matter came to you and uh, the the result of that and some of, some of the cases that maybe people aren't aware of. Well, when we started seeing people mm, heal themselves in real time, as I said at the beginning of the show, during our workshops, I started thinking about the placebo because, I mean, th- if, a, if you just examine the mechanics of the placebo, how can you give 
someone a sugar pill, a saline injection, or perform some false surgery or treatment. And a certain percentage of those people will accept, believe, and surrender to the thought without any analysis that they're getting the real substance or treatment. And they begin to program their autonomic nervous system to make their own pharmacy of chemicals that matches the exact same chemical or treatment they think they're getting. So the first question I had is, is it the inert substance that's doing the healing or is it the thought that's doing the healing? And if people can heal by thought alone, that's exactly what we're doing in our workshops. So if I could understand the science behind the placebo and to demystify it even further, the next question was, can you teach it, teach it better? And instead of people putting their faith and belief in something outside of them, a known like a blue pill, but they put their faith and belief in themselves or in an unknown possibility and revisit that unknown over and over again till neurologically, biologically, and genetically they make it known. Now it's in material form. Uh, and you teach people how to do that by the science of it, uh, we should begin to see the same effects as the placebo. Now, when, when, we set, when I set out to write the book, I, I decided to tell story after story of how people heal by thought alone in history. Some of the stories I went through great measure to find the research behind it. And I wanted people to see how powerful our thoughts really are. So the pill represents a possibility in the quantum field. And because you may have taken pills your whole life to reduce pain, to take away depression, to change your asthma, whatever it is, in time you can substitute that pill with the medication for a pill that looks just like it. And because you've conditioned yourself, you'll begin to make the very chemicals in anticipation of the experience. So then the pill represents a potential in the quantum field. The person gets a placebo and the doctor's enthusiastic and, and uh, they name the drug something that the person can't pronounce. And, the, and because you can't pronounce it, you give your power away to it. If you pay more for it, it'll work even better. Blue pills work better than red pills. It's just a whole conditioned thing that we have. But that pill represents a possibility in the quantum field called getting healthy. But a certain percentage of those people will actually become inspired. They'll move into gratitude. They'll, they'll be hopeful. They'll be joyful. And when you combine a clear intention with an elevated emotion, you're actually moving into a new state of being. But the body is the unconscious mind is believing it's living in that future reality in the present moment. So then the question is, can you teach people how to move into a state of being without the sugar pill? And the answer is absolutely yes, because you can select the potential in the quantum field and emotionally embrace the future before it occurs. Now, this is tricky. That means then you don't wait for your healing to feel whole. You teach your body <laughs> what that future is going to feel like now. And when you're whole, you get healed. You don't wait for the mystical moment to be in awe. You're in awe and the mystical moment happens to you. You don't wait for your new relationship to find, feel love. You're in love with life and your relationship finds you. So when people start to piece this together, they make their own synaptic connections in their brain and they start putting their model together. Yeah, you know what? It may take six or eight weeks for them to start seeing biological changes in their body because it has to be a skill. But placebo studies take six to eight weeks as well. And every day the person's taking the placebo for depression and they think they're taking the actual pill. And 81% of the people who are in studies for depression that take a placebo get better. Well, what does that mean? They're making their own antidepressants. Their, their, their nervous system is the best pharmacy in the world. And many of those people actually believe, they call the researcher and say, I, I, think, uh, I, I think you made a mistake. I think I was really taking the drug. That's how powerful it was. And you see the brain maps and the brain scans, and the brain's actually better. So it's not in their mind. It's in their brain. So we know placebos work good for depression. We know it works well for pain. You can make your own morphine. We know it works well for inflammation, uh, allergies, asthma. But what we're seeing in our work is that we've gone to the next level. We've seen people heal themselves of cancer, of rare genetic disorders that science had no solution for. We've seen people heal themselves of endocrine conditions, uh, lupus, MS, uh, all different types of conditions. Uh, and, they, and some of these people took the placebo every day for over a year. In other words, they didn't really physically take the placebo, but they moved into a new state of being every day, and they knew that by assigning meaning to what they were doing, that they were signaling new genes every single day because they wouldn't get up 
as the same person who sat down. They got up as somebody else. And when they understand the science of epigenetics, psychoneuroimmunology, quantum physics, neuroscience, and they piece it all together, man, they're going to really, really uh, put some more energy and attention behind it. So when we put the brain scans in the book, the reason that I put them in there, thanks to your help, is, is because I wanted people to see this isn't just spiritual New Age stuff that this is actually what we're measuring is actually working, and it's, it's working better than the placebo. And so we've exceeded where I thought we would you know, go. We're, we're way beyond that now. And, um, and then, of course, the question is, you know, if, if, uh, if beliefs really define how the placebo works, well, you have to begin to study the anatomy of belief. So if, you, if most of our beliefs and perceptions are based on past experiences and we're branded neurologically from a trauma that happens in our past and emotionally uh, it changes our chemistry, we tend to think neurologically and feel chemically within the boundaries of our biology. Well, how you think and how you feel creates a state of being. So if you take a thought and a feeling, a thought and a feeling, a thought and a feeling, that's called an attitude. So you have a series of good thoughts that are connected to a series of good feelings, you have a pretty good attitude. You have a series of negative thoughts that are connected to some pretty bad feelings, you have a bad attitude. So if how you think and how you feel is a state of being, then attitudes are just shortened states of being. Good attitude in the morning, bad attitude in the afternoon. But if you put attitudes together, an attitude, an attitude, an attitude, and you string those together, you form what's called a belief. So a belief then, as we've said, is a thought you keep thinking over and over again until you hardwired in your brain. And the very boundaries of people's beliefs are their feelings. And when their beliefs get challenged, it doesn't feel right. So why is this significant? Because if how you think and how you feel creates a state of being, and the redundancy of thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking over time conditions the body to subconsciously become the mind, then all beliefs are subconscious states of being. You don't even know that you have a belief about something until it's challenged. It's an unconscious, subconscious state. So we have beliefs about medicine, we have beliefs about doctors, we have beliefs about spirituality, we have beliefs about love, beliefs about relationships, all based on our past experiences. So then, so then the person who believes that the doctor is going to heal them, or the doctor is going to control their destiny, or the pill is going to heal them, that's because they're programmed to believe that. And why do we know that's so important? Because you can tell a person in a placebo study, I'm giving you the placebo. I'm giving it to you. And they understand that with their conscious mind, but that's only 5%. And the, their irritable bowel syndrome responds as well as if they're taking the medication. You can tell a person, I'm going to rub uh, a, an ointment on your skin that is a placebo, and I'm going to put a hot poker on there, tell me if, it, if you feel less pain. And uh, most people will, will. So it's programmed subconsciously. So when I wrote the book, I was fascinated with how programmed I really am. And it bothered me. I mean, why would people think they need a flu shot? Like, that's a, you, think, you think everybody needs a flu shot and there's germs out there that are going to track you down and give you a, a, <laughs> a, 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 a condition? No, but if you think that, if you think you need a flu shot and if you think you, you don't get one, you, you're going to get the flu, well, everybody, anybody who's selling anything is going to win because if you're sick, you're going to take a medication. If you take the flu shot, you'll probably get sick anyway. I mean, it's just a crazy thing. So I think people are starting to wake up to the reality of what's really going on. So then if you change your belief about something, you have to change the way you think and feel. You have to change your state of being. So in order for us to change a belief or perception about ourselves or our lives, we have to make a decision with such firm intention that the amplitude of that decision carries a level of energy that's greater than the hardwired programs in the brain and the emotional conditioning in the body. And the body has to respond to a new mind. In other words, the decision becomes an experience that you never forget, and the decision becomes a long-term memory. So the inner event is more real than in the external event, and that's when we start seeing profoundly ch uh, significant changes in people's biology. You know, you're always pushing the envelope, and... Uh I know that you have a pa such a passion for this work, having worked with you for a little while. It, um, it's driven you to, to new thoughts and new heights. I know that you recently created a new foundation uh, to try and take this to another generation. Yeah, you know, I mean, I never planned on doing any of this. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I only go where I'm invited, and I only respond to people's desires and needs. And so um, one of the things that's happened – 
besides working with companies and organizations around the world, is that uh, there's a real interest in teens, and and um, so we're creating, we're doing teen workshops, and uh, we did our last one in Denver, and we had uh, about 150 kids there, and and uh, teaching them some of these principles and having them create their future and be empowered by it and uh, and inspiring them to resolve the problems that the past generation has created uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a place of just uh, understanding and compassion instead of judgment and, and then and then pushing them into the experience. I think uh, I think it's been pretty cool and we've got some pretty pretty bright stars out there doing some great great stuff. You know, it's really tremendous that you're willing to open up and, and give so much of yourself in this work and uh, uh, push the boundaries that you're you're not content to just hang back and do what other people have done, that you, you truly are a, a pioneer in your own right and the things that you've done. Uh, what's next on the horizon for you? Well, um, I think uh, we're... we're um we're doing quite a bit. I think I have one more book in me, uh, 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 and I'll write it about being supernatural because that's where my passion and certainly your passion is. Uh, but I'm going to continue just showing up where I'm invited. Uh, I have uh, I have a, a big mission, and uh, my mission is uh, to transform individuals in order to transform a culture, and uh, and that's my vision. And I think. Um, I think we're doing that. I really, I really honestly think we're doing it. So we have our advanced workshops. We're doing a lot of measurements. Uh, I think we'll keep adding more measurements. We're thinking about measuring telomeres, you know, the, the, the strings on the string, shoelaces on the end of your DNA that determines how old biologically you are. And we want to see if we can change people's life by, by extending their telomeres. Uh, where we're going to keep doing epigenetic measurements um, uh, to see if we're signaling genes in real time. Of course, the, the the we're only limited by our students' ability, uh, and we'll keep bringing in more sophisticated instruments to be able to, I think, to demystify this process. Uh, and so we're doing uh, advanced follow-ups now, and we're doing uh, teachings now that are more more about activating specific neurotransmitters in the brain that um, produce some really transcendent experiences. And uh, I think one of the things that's uh, the side effect of all of this is that it, it keeps it keeps our minds kind of active on creating a theory. I mean, we sit for lunch yesterday and we're just talking about, we're not talking about the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. We're, we're talking <laughs> about, we're talking about stuff. We're talking about what do you think? Why is this happening? How can we induce this? How can we make it better? And so what's next for me is just to have, just like a, an infection uh, creates a disease in a community, I believe that wellness and health can be as infectious as disease, and that's really, I hope, hopefully, where we're going. Right, and moving into higher states of consciousness. Of course, that's the side effect. Yeah, well, Dr. Joe, thanks for being a guest here, and uh, uh, I'm sure that all of the things that you've talked about will certainly change people's lives as they listen to it out there. You've been listening to uh, Help My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage with my guest, Dr. Joe Dispenza, on the Empowerment Channel, Voice America. Thank you for tuning in to the show this week. Please join Dr. Jeffrey Fannin again for another edition of Help! My Thoughts Are Holding Me Hostage. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week possible. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.